I know who I am. I'm a dude playing a dude disguised as another dude. Hey, we're recording the podcast. Shut up. Good morning to you wherever you are because it is Benedict Bear for January 2024. My name is Bernie Burns with me sitting right over there, fresh from her AI-generated comedy special, Ashley Burns. <laughs> How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, you know, working for the weekend. Rave reviews, man. <laughs> thanks, thanks. I'm, I'm so glad that my, uh, my AI-generated comedy special met expectation. <laughs> yeah, you've been dead for years, so <laughs> I think we're all shocked by that. <laughs> Look, it's a big comeback. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. We're talking about the uh, George Carlin... In quotes, I don't know if you can feel me doing air quotes through the microphone here, but uh, the George Carlin AI-generated comedy special that came out. But first we have some, before we, this is Friday, so before we head into the weekend, we've got to do our follow-ups for little things that we started to talk about and either dropped or things that we got wrong, so it's our follow-up Friday. Or fuff, for sure. (laughs) First follow-up of the week, which was I talked about Ashley having this uncanny ability to walk into me listening to audiobooks at the moment that it turns from some heady sci-fi into some teenager sex fantasy. (laughs) Every time. I think I mischaracterized, too, the three-body problem version of that. It wasn't overtly sexual. It was just the most, what do they call that? Mary Sue-like... Um, overly yeah, like was, almost like a love bomb kind of a thing. Yeah, it was yeah. always like really weird and like you know, just the the way that this main character saw this particular girl. I was like, what is what, this? Is very strange. Yeah, just it might have been a cultural thing, but it just felt like a maturity thing more than anything. Else. A little bit, yeah. I'll go through really quickly. Uh, following up on Bitcoin, one of the things you always hear in the cycle when cryptocurrency is doing well is all these anecdotes that make it seem like, oh, this is an approachable, cool thing. Uh, the Bitcoin pizza story, I forgot to bring up yesterday. One of my favorite facts about that. There's a guy who spent 10,000 Bitcoin on two pizzas back in like 2011. Uh, he did that when Bitcoin was worth nothing. He got someone to buy him two pizzas in exchange for 10,000 Bitcoin. And that story comes up all the time. Every single time Bitcoin goes on a run. And it was like, oh, that poor guy, what a sucker and all that. Just so you know, that guy is the guy who worked on the team that developed GPUs to be able to mine Bitcoin. So when you can't buy a video card, like an RTX 3000 or whatever, that's the guy. So I'm pretty sure he's doing okay. And also, we don't need to feel sorry for him. Yeah, and there's a quick quick follow-up here on the rest of the Bitcoin stuff. One of the most common adages in investing is buy the rumor, sell the news. So, you you know, when there's the whispers that something's about to happen, buy it then because when and you always wonder, why is this big announcement happening with this company? Like they had a profitable quarter and their stock went down. It's because people sold the news. They bought knowing it would go up. Then when they announced it, they sold it. That didn't happen with the Bitcoin ETF. No, uh, it had a, something else weird happen, though, is someone hacked the SEC Twitter account <laughs> before the announcement, before the approval, uh, and said it was approved. And then it had a spike, not actually as big a spike as I thought. I think it spiked to like 48 from 45, yeah. which is a spike. Um, and you know, if you have a lot of Bitcoin would make a significant difference, but not as much as you might think that that kind of announcement Mm -hmm. would make. And then um, it went back down, got approved uh, and didn't come back up. I was kind of found strange. So they had the fake news before the actual news. They had the fake announcement. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I, I read that Bitcoin's daughter was very upset about that fake <laughs> She had opinions it's, about it. It's very disrespectful. And, so, and someone asked me too, they said, why are you only talking about the financial aspects of cryptocurrency? Don't you want to talk about use cases? First of all, no, because we're not, if you beat people over the head with crypto stuff in a podcast, they'll tune out really quickly. Uh, and secondly, the news right now is about the ETF, which, which is, is the, financial. the financial aspect. So that's it. So that's our done, wrapped up on crypto for Woo-hoo. the week. Yeah. Uh, other news, uh, you told me that Carrie Coon got uh, f- cast in White Lotus. Yes. So uh, earlier this week, talked about how she was in talks to potentially join. They announced some other casting decisions. Now she has officially joined the cast. So you, congratulations, are now a White Lotus fan. I'm now apparently a White Lotus fan. I, can I, do I have to go back and watch season one and season two? I think the seasons are self-contained. I okay. know that the second season, it had um, one character come across, uh, Jennifer Coolidge, uh, I think that's her name, Stifler's mom. But uh, the I think the stories were completely different. And I don't believe she is in White Lotus season three. I think it's not quite Fargo-ish, but kind of Fargo-ish, where you, each season it tells its own story. Do you ever get different franchises mixed up in your head, like they're intertwined? Oh, constantly. I have this right now. The, the White Lotus franchise is intertwined with me with the Knives Out franchise i don't know why um because it has like all-star casts and you know people coming in but they're not there for the the whole franchise they're just there for iterations and that kind of thing yeah no i get that and also because uh the second knives out was on an island and the first white lotus season i think the second one was in italy but the first white lotus season was Mm -hmm. like a like mexican resort so a very similar visual aesthetic probably I, i cannot wait to watch Carrie Coon and Knives Out. It's going to be right. <laughs> All right. Moving on to more current stuff. So we've been hinting at it in our earlier conversations today, but uh, there was a hour-long comedy special released featuring an AI comedian in the style of George Carlin. How do we say these things? Uh, yeah, that- I don't even know how. It's like, how do you frame something like that properly? It's really weird. Like, it's... um. AI, but AI still has to be guided by a human hand at this point, but it's using George Carlin's voice. And one of the things I found really weird about this is this comedy special was called I'm Glad I'm Dead. Yes. Which is like, damn, dude. Jesus. I mean, well, yes, that does seem like a very George Carlin style of humor. Did you did you listen to a lot of George Carlin? I listened to like a bit here and there. I listened to like a couple different bits at different times, but I wouldn't say I've like sat down and watched an entire special in one go. He, you know, really popular guy, but also falls in that category of a comedian's comedian. You know, sometimes those comedians don't do very well, but George Carlin was very successful. But there are certain comedians that comedians absolutely adore. Um, You know, like an Andy Kaufman, even like more modern, Norm MacDonald, Colin Quinn. Um, you know, and it, but George Carlin was one of the comedians, comedians, Richard Pryor, another one, um, uh, George Carlin was one that did really, really, really well. I think not as well as like Richard Pryor, you know, but he, he was really well known, um, you know, going back and forth between the U S and Scotland. It's really interesting. What is considered to be a celebrity in the U S versus who is a celebrity in the UK. And I think a really good example of that where we're from is Billy Connolly. Like Billy Connolly was a popular-ish comedian, I think, in the U.S. I say was, but still is. He's still kicking. He's 81. Just won a BAFTA. If you say Billy Connolly around here, like people like start wiping a tear out of their eyes. Really? Oh, gosh. Yeah, they adore Billy Connolly in this, in this area in particular. Yeah. 
and actually, there's an association there because Billy Connolly was in the same group with like Whippy, Whippy Goldberg, George Carlin. They would always do stuff together. Billy Crystal. Um, they did like a lot of charity comedy events together. Anyway, uh, this podcast, the Dude Z podcast, and I'm going to read an article here uh, from Deadline. This is by Greg Evans. Thank you for having an easy to pronounce name, Mr. Evans. Uh, he wrote an article about um, George Carlin's daughter responding to it, but explained essentially what the Dudesy podcast is. And this is from his article. Dudesy is an AI-generated podcast, quote, host, in which it learns from existing data to generate and speak on a range of topics. A weekly Dudesy podcast and YouTube show is co-hosted by actual humans, Will Sasso and Chad Colton, who do not appear on the new Carlin special. Although I did see shorts promoting it where Will Sasso was reacting to clips from the podcast. Um, and I do think it's interesting that... From the podcast or from the special? Uh, from the special. They, was, okay. it was, they were on their podcast set listening to clips, and that was what the YouTube short... There seems to be... We're, we're analyzing all this stuff right now. The magic formula for podcasts is a comedian who's got a stand-up career, but then also they have these little clips that they put on YouTube shorts. Um, we're trying to be careful about that kind of stuff because one thing else I've noticed is that if a YouTube short gets really popular, suddenly that becomes the whole voice of the podcast. Like they try to recreate whatever viral moment that was. And, you know, it's easy to do that because, the, you know, you tend to chase the attention and the numbers or just the audience starts to influence what the content is. But um, yeah, that does seem to be the formula these days. Sure. I yeah, understand completely. However, I don't really want to put on makeup in the morning. Let me <laughs> let me ask you this. What uh, what? How did you hear about this? If you didn't see it through that short, uh, I think it came up on my Reddit feed. Okay, and it was um, it was about his uh, his daughter's response, which was um, I thought uh, much more measured than my response would have been if someone basically deep faked my dad and did a comedy special called "I'm Glad I'm Dead." So let me ask you that. Just let's take the the AI component out of it in general. There is the dead person and now the surviving estate. A lot of the artist's work lives on. It gets exploited in different ways from a business perspective. Then, of course, we've seen people's likeness and image also, which is part of their work, I guess. You know, the image and the the you know icon that they built up gets then exploited. Um, the first time I remember that happening, there was uh, a big controversy over a Dirt Devil commercial that featured the dancer Fred Astaire. Um, he was dancing around uh, and sweeping up with a dirt devil. Was he, this in like 1985? When, 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 he, he when died, was this commercial? Uh, he died in 89, and I think it was the mid-90s. Maybe, I want to say 1997, I That's think. so strange. Yeah. So it's, it's it's a while ago. That's so, over 20 years ago now, yeah, 25 so, so years I ago. I guess deep fakes have been around a while. Well, you know, once they had technology where they could insert people into things. I mean, even Forrest Gump, they used footage and put Forrest Gump shaking hands with Kennedy. Um, you know, and they use Kennedy's image, a very, very public figure. Um, you were talking about the first thing I remember being like a really big, um, this person's dead. What are you doing? Controversy was the Tupac, Tupac hologram. Right. Show. Uh, and that was a huge thing. And now you've got bands that aren't dead doing hologram shows, the ABBA and uh, Kiss just recently opened one or announced one that they're doing in, I think, Las Vegas. And it's like, but I have no illusions that those shows will suddenly end when one of the members participating in the show um, as, a, I don't know, avatar 
but dies. Right. Well, definitely not with Kiss because they've already replaced two of their members. Kiss has always fallen that it's an interesting space where you have like super cool, you know, outside the system guys, rockers, but they just sell everything. Like, yeah, Kiss at one point even sold coffins. <laughs> To their fans. I mean, you, you that, know? that seems kind of on brand. But they, yeah, that's, uh, that is about as commercial as you get. I would not be surprised at all if Kiss saw the success that ABBA had with their London show and just said, okay, we're, we're doing that too. I uh, mean, I will like, I, from a purely like business standpoint, I'll be curious to see how it goes because ABBA's always been kind of a unique animal in that they also have the Mamma Mia musical with something that seems like it shouldn't have worked but did. Yeah, I, you know, and the, the, they're all alive, right? And so this is first party use of that, where they can say, like, we we want to do that. There's something about the ABBA one that bothers me. It's doing very well. We'll link some articles you can read about the success of the show. I think it was generating, like, at one point, like, two or three million dollars a week for, yeah, the, for the London not, show. Yeah, not bad. It's got a long way to go, though, to make up for the technology required to run the show, for the technology development. It's basically the, the band ABBA. ABBA? ABBA? Um, <laughs> they, they have a show in London where it's their holographic avatars on stage performing. The only issue that I really have with that uh, is that one of the motivations for them doing it is they want their fans to remember them as they were younger, you know? Right. Well, I mean, they just, haven't performed live in decades. Yeah. Since like yeah. 81. When was the last a ABBA album? Uh, also in the 80s. Was it's it really? Re yeah. It's, they, they haven't done um, uh, any like new music releases in also decades. Uh, Voyage is the ninth album by the Swedish pop group ABBA released 5th of November, 2021. Might feel like decades ago, but... Oh, last album here, 1981. They, Voyage is the show. Oh, maybe they made a, a maybe they made an album for the show as well. That would make sense to put out a new album along with the show. Not everyone's going to travel to London to see it. Just last week, we were talking about Steamboat Willie, right? Um, yeah. And so we're talking about a, a fictional character that enters the public domain People are the same way, right? I mean, does, do people enter the public domain? I do mean, they, they should. Yeah. I mean, that would be that seems like it would be an estate thing, and that characters would be different than people, um, and even material can be different. I know uh, the author Terry Pratchett. Uh, he had, I think, a lot of his work destroyed when he passed away because he didn't want people messing with it and re-releasing stuff. When you say his work, you mean his unpublished work? Or? Yes, really interesting. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think his um, his daughter, uh, Rihanna Pratchett, who actually does a lot of video game writing, uh, let that nerd flag, nerd flag flag girl, uh, she's she's been very vocal on his behalf. I mean, part of me says as a parent, look, if I'm dead and you personally have the ability to my kids, I mean, if you would have the ability to exploit my image in some way that would help you guys. I mean, that's what we do while we're living, you know, and if I'm dead, it's I guess the legacy matters. But does it really matter to you if you're gone? This is a weird case, obviously, because it's clearly not the daughter involved with this. You know, this is someone outside of that. Uh, another first party one I thought that was interesting. Do you remember uh, when Bruce Willis was it was first becoming clear that he was going to retire because he was suffering from aphasia? Yes, I do remember that. There was uh, a, a he was in a Russian commercial uh, where they just did face replacement and put him over it. And then there was this big rumor at the time that he had sold his likeness uh, to be used by AI companies so he could live in perpetuity and his career could continue beyond his ability to perform. Yeah, I think I remember that. But that was, was that, debunked. I was, was going to say that ended up being not true, right? Uh, no. But why, you know, why would that be a thing that he couldn't do? Um, there was actually a movie uh, back from, 
early 2000 teens called The Congress. It's Robin Wright's in it. I want to go back and watch it because it was really trippy part of it, but the main conceit of the movie was an actress who was getting older and sold her rights to clone her to be in as many movies as possible. And then it's, I think it's the adventures of that uh, digital clone uh, that came from the original person living forever, essentially. I wonder if there was any element of that that had the Hollywood executives going, hmm, that led to so much uh, issue with the strikes this year. Yeah, and this AI stuff is... Last year. <sighs> Absolutely. Well, we just saw the uh, SAG gave up ground to the video game companies. Yeah, so that was an interesting thing that this week that we didn't really talk about, which yeah. was just that um, SAG signed with the for their for the video game companies to allow AI generated voices, right? Uh, which, and all the voice actors are are saying we, none of none of us approved this, none of us voted for this. What are you What are you doing? And so there's a bit of dissension in the SAG ranks right now. Well, that dissension exists, and I don't think many people are aware of it uh, within SAG. After strike is over and we struck the deal, the members of SAG after us still, we had to vote on the contract. And there were a lot of people who didn't want to vote for the contract because of you know the, the AI clauses that still existed within the contract, that they weren't protective enough. But like you take one of the big things in that was background actors. They didn't want the studios wanted to take a background actor's one-day performance and then copy them infinitely for the rest of time. So a background actor like, would get one day of work. They wanted to basically be able to scan them and turn them into like a 3D character that then they could insert into whatever movies in whatever way they wanted and in I, perpetuity, right? And I absolutely believe that that person should be protected, but I also realized five years from now, they just won't even give them the one day of work. They'll just generate a person in the background and no one... That'll be the way around that fence. It's like a door with no walls on either side. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does make sense. And that's just the way technology works. And it's what we're all suffering with right now. So this George Carlin thing, um, it's, it's, it's an interesting discussion. I think at a higher level, it's now people are saying, is it just Will Sasso doing an impression? Is that what this is? Is this a hoax? Is it a stunt? But that's really what all of this brings about is what is going to happen with what is real and what is not. And will we even figure it out? But it did remind me of a crazy copyright public domain thing that lives in Hollywood lore. It's the movie Night of the Living Dead. How appropriate is that <laughs> for this? Uh, back in the day, they changed the, mo the movie's name from Night of the Flesh Eaters. But when they changed the name of the movie, they didn't put the copyright statement on the new prints. So the moment Night of the Living Dead came out, it instantly entered the public domain and anyone could make copies of it. Oh, and, no. and George Romero lost control of that property. And you think about all the things that inspired over the years, especially the lot. huge zombie run we've been in the last five years. Crazy to think about. All right. Well, that does it for us. Friday, January 12th. We will be back to talk to you on Monday. We hope you'll be here as well. Have a great weekend, everybody. Bye. <laughs>